Hey, what's going on there, podcast land? Matthew Johnson here, back at it again with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. And in this week's episode, we're going to go back to the basics. And I want to talk about the seven stages of dementia. In a prior podcast, I did one and it was just the three stages of dementia. But as I am into this and taking care of my mother, I look back on these different stages just to try to get more information for myself and feel like really this seven stage definition is a little more detailed and provides a little more guidance of a blueprint, if you will. So I'm going to go through this in this week's episode of Dementia in Black. So here I am sourcing this from a website called uh, Biospace, biospace biospace.com. And this article was published May 3rd, 2021. The author is Lorenzo Solomon and spelled S-O-L-I-M-A-N. And the title is called The Seven Stages of Alzheimer's Alzheimer's Disease. Now, granted, there are all different types of dementia and this specifically is talking about Alzheimer's. And so whether you have Lewy body or Parkinson's dementia or whatever other type of dementia, all of it varies. And even I would imagine for people with Alzheimer's, this might only apply loosely again, just kind of given as a general guideline to help understand where your loved one might be in the stage. And as I looked around at several different people who have this, the seven stage model out pretty much in terms of the broad categories, they're the, they're the same. And I'll go through each of the ones that are described here, essentially starting from no dementia. Most of them have that as stage one kind of strange, but I see that if you don't have any signs of anything, How can you be in the stage of dementia? But I'll get into that a little later. So stage one, essentially for all of these is nothing up through some moderate, mild and severe impairment until, of course, the last stage, which is, you know, death, essentially. And we'll talk about what happens in those in each of those stages. So the first stage of dementia And I'm just going to go through and first read each of the stages and then come back and actually break down each of the stages. So the first stage is no impairment at all. The second stage, very mild changes in behavior. Stage three, mild decline. Stage four, moderate decline. Stage five, moderately severe decline. Stage six, severe decline. Stage seven, very severe Alzheimer's and essentially that's the last stage. So let's go back and go through each of these stage one, no impairment, normal behavior. So what I like about this one is they actually, for most of the stages, give an estimate for how long each stage might be. 
And so for stage one, it says from being diagnosed with stage one Alzheimer's and this, you know, kind of first stage of no impairment to the impairment moving into a mild cognitive impairment or mild changes in behavior, it's 10 years. So an individual can be, you know, and I guess, you know, here we might be talking about not just some test in terms of the, um, the little mini status, mental status exam. This might be if you are having a genetic test and you have the gene APOE4, I believe is what it is, uh, the genetic marker. If you have two of those, you're essentially someone who has a high probability of developing uh, Alzheimer's. And so if you have that, and for people who get that, that, that might be a podcast in and of itself one day as to would you do that? And maybe I'll answer that question and go through why I wouldn't really do that. But I guess I've answered it. So there goes that podcast idea. But in either case, um, for people who would do that, maybe because they have a family member or they're just curious, you know, some people like to know what's coming down the pike for them, I guess. Um, if you do that, you, of course, might not have any symptoms at all. But if you know that you're likely to get it, this is, again, the first stage. So you could have uh, 10 years of this. And they said people are normally um, if you're getting diagnosed with this early stage, you're going to be in your mid 60s. So 10 years starting in your mid 60s. Again, these are rough estimates, I would assume, because we don't know on any individual what other things might be going on in terms of. Other comorbidities, if you got diabetes, heart disease, stroke, any of these things, I would assume would shorten these time frames significantly. And if you've had a history of alcohol use or smoking or these types of things, of course, that would have an impact on the time frames for each of these. So stage two, very mild changes in behavior, says these symptoms can be simple and are usually not caught by doctors. So certainly a doctor who would only see your loved one once every six months or once a year wouldn't notice anything. And it talks about the fact that the uh, memory might start to come into play in terms of missing or misplacing objects or finding the right words for something this is that second stage and that this stage can last seven years so stage two can last up to seven years and then stage three is what they're calling mild decline and here it says daily routines of the person may be more disrupted at this point so forgetting what you just read difficulty in recalling names of new people you meet and this decreased concentration on different things. That's stage three, mild decline. Stage four, moderate decline is kind of the, what they're calling the middle ground. Examples are forgetting what was shown on the news that day and uh, or re- having trouble remembering relevant events and personal information. Right. These are the types of things that also says sleep patterns are commonly affected, such as restless nights and snapping during the day. Then it says wandering and getting lost at this point becomes a potential problem. The stage four moderate decline. And it says it lasts for about two years. And really, 
for me and my mother in her situation, this is where I really started to have my radar pinged in terms of something being wrong. And I would imagine for a lot of people who either are not really well connected to their health and in the healthcare field, getting regular checkups and or maybe they live alone. Uh, you know, some of these early signs probably get missed. And so for you too, it's not until this stage three or four that you might even notice. And so for me, this whole thing of wandering and getting lost. So my mind wasn't wandering so much, but getting lost for going to the grocery store, which she went to, you know, weekly and was just two miles from the house. And they talk about driving. She would be able to drive there with no problems. But when she would call me and get lost, turned around, going there, I knew that there was something not right. And so according to this stage of, or according to the seven stage model, this is stage four. So by the time I was keyed in and getting her to a doctor, they were, or she was at stage four, according to this. And it says that that stage four lasts about two years. Since then it says stage five is moderately severe decline. Learning new things and simple tasks such as dressing can become a concern. And it says that this stage will last about a year, year and a half. And in this stage, you can also have hallucinations, delusions, paranoia. And I certainly vividly remember this with my mother. Certainly the paranoia, actually, which I think I saw even earlier than stage four in terms of her believing that the neighbors were up to no good. And, you know, at that point, mom was watching a lot of NCIS and these types of New York undercover or whatever these the cop shows and such. And she would ascribe things that at least to me sounded like they were coming from the TV shows that she was watching to the neighbor at that neighbor was shifty and involved in some illegal activity and the police were coming and they are going to arrest the neighbor and all of that. And so that, you know, kind of put that under that delusion category and the hallucination or seeing things that are not there. She didn't have that so much early on. And to be honest, I can't say that I really have seen her have much of that, though I have seen her interpret shadows as something other than what they were. Uh, but hallucination is more, you know, you're in the invisible pet pet or something, uh, seeing something that's not there. I haven't seen her have much of that, but that is a sign of stage five, according to this moderately severe decline. And then stage six, severe decline says communication can become difficult mentions counting backwards from 10 is challenging. I don't think my mother could do that today. I mean, I think it would be difficult even for me to ask her to do it and have her understand what I'm asking her to do in order to do it. Though counting from one to 10, I know she can do because when I'm trying to get her up and you know, out the bed into a chair or to move her, I'll do this thing and, you know, all right, on the count of three, we're going to go and I'll start counting one, 
two, you know, kind of rocking her back and forth. Three, and then she'll keep counting instead of getting up. Or by three, she'll just go four, five, and, you know, she'll count to ten. So I know that she can do that just from uh, recent uh, interactions with her. However, uh, this also says that anxiety or agitation is highly likely to happen in this stage six severe decline. And of course, if you've listened to the past podcast, uh, this is something that the hospital experience with her, the assisted living place experience with her. I hadn't experienced that with her so much, uh, but certainly since this hospital stay, she certainly is definitely more agitated and, you know, just trying to get her to do some of the basic things that she would normally do in terms of eating or anything. It's a little bit of a struggle now. So I believe this is where my mother is now this stage six severe decline. And they said at this point round the clock, personal assistance is required. No question about that. In fact, I would even say sometime before this, you need that round the clock, whether that be, uh, you know, somebody actually sitting physically with the person in the same room. But certainly I don't see that a person could live alone, even at stage five uh, of this, just because it would seem unsafe. But stage six is where they specifically mentioned that in this severe decline. And then stage seven, very severe decline. And so here they're talking about swallowing can become affected and so a person might just have a choking hazard in swallowing. So what I've heard is that thin liquids are an issue and they have uh, things or some compound that you can get that will thicken liquid. So the person that helps with the swallowing when they're drinking something like, you know, an insure or something that's thicker versus drinking water, drinking water. Uh, can be a, a choking hazard for somebody at this stage. And then it talks about that the body may begin to shut down since this is the time where the brain is finding it difficult to communicate with other parts of the body. And that makes sense. So stage seven, of course, is the end stage. And your body is essentially, you know, and I, I believe this probably happens with most people when they get to the end stage. Your appetite goes, you're not wanting to eat anymore. Certainly if you can't swallow and that swallowing causes a gag reflex or something like that, you certainly wouldn't have a desire to want to eat and to want to drink. And then your organs, of course, if they're starting to be deprived of those things, are going to start to shut down. And that's uh, where we're getting to the end of life. And he doesn't have a time frame on these steps, but just in terms of me looking around other places, my understanding is that stage seven can go pretty quickly. Some people have just, you know, people that I've talked to have talked about that being less than a year uh, and sometimes, you know, even less than that. Uh, of much less than that, um, you know, and of course, again, this varies for how healthy or unhealthy a person is. If you got anything else going on, then certainly it might be a combination of your comorbidity and this taking you uh, out of here. But so for me, that's um, 
those are the seven those are the seven stages and I see my mom certainly at this stage six. So, you know, we're probably looking at two two and a half years out from here at this point. And again, I imagine it too is all estimates. And one of the things that I found fascinating, so there was also another list and I couldn't find it here to bring it up to have it on the screen while I'm talking to you, but I came across it when I was doing this research. Dr. Verna Carson had a list of the seven stages. And then what she also had, and I don't remember this exactly, but I just, it resonated with me so much. I want to mention it had sort of the Benjamin Buttons type of age charting with each of the stages that as you progress in these seven stages, you regress in terms of how you are seeing the world and how you operate in the world such that, for example, at this stage seven, you would essentially be a baby. And of course, you know that the first thing that a baby is able to do is to swallow. They're not able to chew. They don't have teeth. They don't eat solid foods, but they can swallow. And so having that be the last thing to go, you're swallowing. And also for coming into the world, a baby being that the first thing that they have, you can see how that really just lines up. And then as you go up to stage six, you're able to do more in terms of eating solid food. So I believe she had this stage six, you know, a year, year and a half or something that this would be that age of a baby when they're at that stage in terms of their functionality, in terms of what they can do. So just as you wouldn't expect to be able to have a conversation with a one and a half year old, so too in stage six, you're likely not able to have a conversation with someone in stage six because they're losing or have lost their language or their ability to have these words make sense and have context. So just like a baby might make baby noises, gaga, goo goo, da da. And in some cases you could associate that with real things. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's very difficult language is difficult. And then backing up again, a stage, stage five, having, Activities of daily living becoming difficult for the adult with Alzheimer's, backing that up to a child, you're probably looking at a toddler who is learning how to use the bathroom, for example, learning how to do tasks of daily living, like getting themselves dressed. However, for a toddler, you will lay out their clothes and you might help them put on certain items of clothing because they don't have the dexterity to be able to do that. And so the same thing for someone with Alzheimer's who's going back in this, you know, as they progress through the disease, they're losing the ability to, you know, certainly pick out an outfit to bathe, to bathe themselves, right? You're still helping a two-year-old to bathe and you're not putting a two-year-old in a shower, right? That was the biggest thing that stood out for me because we... At least as for me as a caregiver, that when that went in terms of her desire or lack of desire to want to take a shower, I just thought, why would you not want to take a shower? You've been doing that your entire life, you know, 80 years you've taken showers, not 80 years, but almost that. But when this thing talked about, would you tell your two year old to go take a shower? No, you wouldn't. Not without being in there with the two year old because the water 
hitting the child might be scary. The temperature of the water might be different to them as it is for you. All of that. Right. So you would want to bathe them very carefully. And so as a person progresses in this disease, that's what you have to think about, that this is a person who is regressing and perhaps you are going to approach the situation as you would someone who is at that age and have it be age appropriate. Now, I want to say here and make sure that I am clear that in no way, in no way should you ever treat, speak to, communicate with your loved one as a child, as a toddler, right? Always it's the respect that is due a grown adult person. But in terms of understanding how you approach, how you get a person to do something, just as you wouldn't expect a two-year-old to understand some adult command to uh, go and pick out something to wear and get dressed, you know that you would have to lay that out and you would have to break that down step by step for someone that age. There is the learning that you can just micro uh, put these in micro steps versus macro steps, right? And look at that age to help guide you to do that. But what I see sometimes with some of the workers that come is that they actually talk to the person like they're a child. And that is something that you absolutely should not do. And so I'm actually even you know, nervous about putting this out because I know some people take that shortcut and go, oh, they're like a child. Then that's how I'll treat them. That's how I'll talk to them. No, it's more about what your behavior should be in terms of understanding this reference, at least on how you can best approach an individual. And perhaps if the people in the field, the PT, uh, physical therapist, the occupational therapist, if they understood this and understood which stage an individual is in with Alzheimer's, then they could then change their way, change their approach on how they need to get things done as if they are trying to get someone who doesn't have that skill set, who doesn't have the language, who doesn't have the physical abilities, perhaps, um, how to communicate with them. That could be helpful. So that is it today. Just wanted to go over those seven stages because I like the fact that this is a little more detailed. So stage one, no impairment. Stage two, very mild changes in behavior. Stage three, mild decline. Stage four, moderate decline. Stage five, moderately severe decline. Stage six, severe decline. Stage seven, very severe Alzheimer's. Those are the seven stages. Hopefully that was helpful, especially for those of you who might be new to this and just trying to figure out where your person is. And it's likely that if you're like most people, the person has already gone through stage one, two and three before it really is even noticed by others. Because those early stages, the individual is able to play it off. They're able to trick a doctor and perhaps even a family member. Who's not around every day. Because if you're only interacting for a few minutes at a time, all of that, my mom was able to do that. I think still through stage, some of stage six, have a short conversation, no problem. So you got to be 
looking out. And certainly if this is a loved one who you don't see very often, you want to check in. You want to check in on that person. And the sooner the better in terms of getting the diagnosis and getting past any denial that might be there. All right. So that's it for this week's episode. Folks, next week, tune in again for another episode of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Matthew Johnson. Thank you for your support. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, please give this podcast a rating so that it'll help get it out to others. Until next week, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>